Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. For the better part of the last decade, science fiction finally evolved from a niche genre into a mainstream staple. And while many people are familiar with the so-called fathers and grandfathers genre, the women who have been instrumental in creating and shaping the nerdverse have largely gone unrecognized. Until today. I'm Cher Martinetti, and this is Sci-Fi Wire Fangirl's Forgotten Women of Genre, a podcast where we tell the stories of the women who helped some of the most famous fantasy worlds become a reality. April 6, 1941. The Jimmy Dorsey Orchestra's Amapola was number one on the Billboard charts. The Flame of New Orleans, starring Marlene Dietrich, was just released in theaters and would eventually go on to win an Academy Award for Best Art Direction. And the New York Yankees were days away from a preseason matchup against the Brooklyn Dodgers that would go on to predict their eventual showdown and domination of the team in the World Series, giving the Bombers their fifth title in six years and ninth overall. United States was eight months away from entering World War II. And the world's first female superhero, written and drawn by a woman, Tarpe Mills, made her debut a full six months before the introduction of Wonder Woman. Her name? Miss Fury. And as unlikely as it seems, both her comic strip and the woman who created it would end up providing American troops overseas with their unofficial mascot for that war. But for any of that to happen, Tarpe Mills had to break into comics first. A boy found a dream upon a distant shore. June Tarpe Mills was born February 25, 1918, in Brooklyn, New York. Her mother was a widow and worked in a beauty parlor to support herself and June, as well as the orphaned children of June's sister, who died from pneumonia. June took up modeling both to help her mother financially and pay her way to New York's prestigious School of Art, Pratt Institute, where June initially went to study sculpture. But after signing with the Thornton Model Agency, a small disaster attempting to create a plaster mask by molding Walter Thornton's own head that ended up leaving the agency owner without his eyelashes had young June giving up sculpting and turning her attention to fashion illustration instead. In 1938, while temporarily laid up with a foot injury, she sold her first comics feature, Daredevil Barry Finn, which she named after her nephew, to Centaur Publishing. Shortly after, she abandoned fashion illustration completely and turned her attention to comics, working on series like The Purple Zombie, Man of India, and Fantastic Feature Film, while opting to drop June and use her sexually ambiguous middle name, Tarpe, for her nom de plume. As she famously and kind of ironically put it, it would have been a major letdown to the kids if they found out that the author of such virile and awesome characters was a gal. Most creators working in comics in the 30s and 40s dreamt of working as a newspaper strip cartoonist. It was steady work, 
much more so than working on comic books themselves. And syndication meant exposure to a far wider audience than comic books could ever reach. But it was a goal that only a select few would ever attain. And Tarpe was one of them when she signed with Bell Syndicate in 1941 and debuted Miss Fury, then known as the Black Fury. By day, Marla Drake was a wealthy socialite who stylishly traveled the world, thanks in no small part to Mill's previous experience in fashion. But by night, she donned an enchanted ceremonial Black Panther skin catsuit that would enhance or curse the wearer and transformed her into Miss Fury. Marla Drake was beautiful, a trait fans soon would learn she shared with her creator, thanks to a newspaper article that ran during the first year of the comic. The headline? Meet the real Miss Fury. It's all done with mirrors. Just as Miss Fury was Marla Drake's alter ego, Drake had become Tarpe's. Mills drew heavily from her own life to create the characters of Miss Fury, even giving Marla a sidekick based on her own real-life cat, Perry Purr, who went on to become an unofficial World War II mascot for the troops. And you all think Goose is impressive. She also channeled her own curious imagination for much of the character's adventures, having her see parts of the world that the artist, who only ever traveled as far as Bermuda, could only have dreamed about. Miss Fury's origin story served as ironic commentary on the masculine conventions of both society and comics overall. After being invited to a masquerade party, Marla Drake finds out that her friend Carol is wearing an identical gown to her own. So she chooses to don a skin-tight black cat suit that was once worn as a ceremonial robe by a witch doctor she met in Africa. I know, it sounds problematic and kind of is. It's the 1930s. This was pretty par for the course. On the way to the ball, Marla takes on a gun-toting killer, using her cat claws, stiletto heels, to leave him unconscious by the side of the road. Miss Fury had arrived, and the character was virile, awesome, and a gal. Even without her signature catsuit, Marla Drake was unlike any other female character at the time. She was level-headed and capable, married tough-minded complexity with Mill's own taste for risque behavior and high-end fashion. The anarchic universe of Miss Fury was small, but one where the protagonist and antagonist were women that used the imposed beauty standards of a patriarchal society, high heels, makeup, corsets, form-fitting evening wear, against the system. The women in Miss Fury comics were streetwise and possessed the same gumption found in noir, but also reflected the newly changed reality of women's wartime lives. And in an unusual gender flip, it was the male characters who became the damsels, or rather, mansels, in distress, needing to be saved from gangsters, Nazis, or sometimes even themselves. The strip often portrayed lovelorn men, complete with the kind of thought bubbles commonly associated with angsty, heartbroken heroines pining for some undeserving man in romance comics. And then there was arch-nemesis Erica Van Kempf, a blonde seductress who hides a swastika-branded forehead behind a V-shaped fringe, who proved herself to be an innovative criminal mastermind. Halfway through the series, Marla gets a job, becomes a single mother, and adopts the son of her arch-nemesis. Miss Fury ran a full decade from April 1941 to December 1951. 
and was syndicated in a hundred different newspapers at the height of her wartime fame and sold a million copies of an issue in reprints released by Timely, now Marvel Comics. The comic was a certified hit, receiving mountains of fan mail, especially from young girls who were excited to see a female protagonist star in her own adventures. And she was a total glamazon to boot. Who says women can't have it all? Fighter pilots painted Miss Fury on their bomber planes. I mean, seriously, you could Google image search all the planes that have Miss Fury or an image of the character painted along the side. And she was a fashion icon, both on and off the pages. According to cartoonist and historian Trina Robbins, Tarpe Mills used to make cut-out paper dolls, complete with outfits, of Marla Drake and her nemesis Erica Van Kampf for little girls to play with. I mean, she was thinking about action figures and merchandising, like, way before Lucasfilm was even an idea. But Miss Fury was also one of the riskiest trips of the time. Mills often drew her characters topless, even if she managed to cleverly hide the naughtiest parts. Eventually, she ended up on a condemned comics list, right alongside Wonder Woman and Chino the Jungle. And it was suggested that the strip was better used to quote-unquote fuel bonfires during Catholic Book Week. (laughs) You know, because the Catholic Church's real problem has always been female comic book characters. Ironically, it was Miss Fury's high fashion wardrobe that ended up becoming a major source of controversy. Early in the decade, Timely Comics had refused to run a picture of the villainous Erica having her own little self-care Sunday in her bath. That's not a euphemism. She was really just taking a bubble bath. And in 1947, 37 newspapers declined to run a panel that featured one of Mill's tough-minded heroines, Era, a South American Nazi fighter who became a post-war nightclub entertainer, you know, as one would, dressed as Eve in a revealing two-piece. Around the same time, the post-war backlash against independent and unconventional women was reaching its peak. While World War II called on women to step into roles traditionally held by men who were now fighting in the front lines overseas, the end of the war meant those same women were no longer needed. They would return back to the sexist pre-war expectations and roles as homemakers or housewives. They lost their jobs as men returned home from service. And the stories that depicted strong-willed, decisive women with agency, especially ones in comics, were replaced with romance and female characters whose entire existence revolved around a man. Miss Fury was canceled in 1951. Tarpe Mills eventually faded into obscurity. She continued to work as a commercial illustrator. She briefly attempted a comeback to comics in 1971 with a short tale for Marvel's Our Love Story and some new paintings of Miss Fury for some mid-70s reprints of the old strips. But romance stories, while they may have been one component of Miss Fury, on their own weren't her thing. She needed something with teeth. And more importantly, a female protagonist who wasn't afraid to show hers. June Tarpe Mills was a woman who did whatever the fuck she wanted, both as an artist and as a woman in the world. In the end, her own do-what-I-want attitude may have killed her. Because despite being an asthmatic for pretty much her whole life, she chain-smoked till the very end, dying of emphysema on December 12, 1988 in New Jersey, where a simple slab states, creator of Miss Fury. She'll finally be inducted into the Comics Hall of Fame later this year. But Tarpe Mills, she was more than just a comics creator. 
she was more than an unapologetic badass that lived life on her own terms. She gave young girls and women a character who defied any and all societal expectations and gender norms. Marla Drake was a working woman, a single mother in a time when that was completely taboo. And she was unapologetically proud of her sexuality. She both embraced and eschewed the concept of femininity and made a mockery of sexist tropes by writing stories that turned them against the very system that imposed them as a means to control and suppress women. Above all, Tarpe Mills was a trailblazer. In 2012, a study titled Sex Differences in the Creation of Fictional Heroes with Particular Emphasis on Female Heroes and Superheroes in Popular Culture, Insights from the Evolutionary Psychology. Yes, that's a long title. <laughs> Victoria Ingalls reveals that only 11 female protagonists in popular media at the time were actually created by women. 11! Created does mean that they took over the run. And while it's amazing that we see a superheroine like Wonder Woman and Captain Marvel finally get their standalone films and break box office records, or a female Jedi in Rey, we still have a very long way to go. We make up over 49% of the population. Who knows how many stories of exceptional women haven't been dreamt or shared yet, ones that were envisioned from a woman or young girl's lived experience. Maybe that next female creator is listening to this podcast right now. She may even be you. Forgotten Women of Genre is a production of Sci-Fi Wire Fangirls. Today's episode was written, read, and produced by Cher Martinetti. You can find the script of this episode and so much more at scififangirls.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at scififangirls.